Welcome, welcome, welcome to Student Radio Maastricht, 107.5 FM. We are on RTV Maastricht and today I'm, well, I'm Elena, first of all. <laughs> and today I'm here in the studio with uh, Francesco. Hi. Laura. Hi. And Alina. Hello. And our loyal Zaki on tech, as usual, the best. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Laura and uh, Francesco are here from uh, Maastricht for Climate. And uh, basically, so this is the topic we will be talking about today is, uh, well, as you can tell by Maastricht for Climate, we're going to be talking about the climate emergency. Uh, first, we're going to be giving you a little recap on uh, what's going on, what's the situation, a little bit of news. And then in the second hour, we will be talking more about Maastricht for Climate and what is uh, the municipality of Maastricht doing about the whole situation. So, Laura, tell us a little bit. Maastricht for Climate uh, asked us to uh, do this collaboration for this episode today because you have a webinar series going on. Tell us more about uh, our collaboration. Yeah, sure. So, um, Maastricht for Climate is uh, an environmental organization in Maastricht that is non-profit. Uh, it's been active since 2019, so it's been two years now, and uh, we've basically been advocating for uh, the climate emergency and um, everything that's related to it uh, in order to raise awareness uh, in the Maastricht community, but also just to make sure that everyone knows what is kind of going on. Yeah. Uh, so we've been doing a multitude of events, uh, organized protests. Uh, we just launched a new sustainability guide, and now we're organizing this webinar series. Uh, in which we're advocating for the eight demands that uh, the Climate Coalition as well as the CAN organizations have uh, for the municipality. Um, so yeah, that's basically what has been going on so far. We have lots of projects and want to be raising awareness about everything okay. that relates to climate. Amazing, thank you. And uh, actually, what uh, brought you both to uh, being interested in, in uh, you know, fighting for the climate? <laughs> Tell us, Francesco. Well, um, I think the force is more a private, um, private need. You know, as a citizen, you I think you have a duty towards towards the place that you live in and the place where we all live is Earth. And um, the more I saw the news, the more I, I learned throughout my life what climate change was, what was going on, the more I fell compelled to do something you know yeah. and um and once i got to university i understood that i had the means to help out and uh, climate activism was one of the way to do so so i joined Massive for climate especially because what i really liked about uh, this grassroots, grassroots organization was the the way in which we we are able of bringing forward an idea and trying to have a concrete impact on population and the way in which we do different things. So as Laura already said, we have a webinar series. We also launched a green guide, but at the same time we carry out protests. We get in contact uh, with the municipality through the climate coalition. We try to have talks with politicians, but also with locals, with students. So we really, what I really like about it is that we try to bridge different parts of society and put them together to find a solution for the climate emergency. And um, and yeah, I, I, f I think I just felt very compelled to to say something, to to raise our voice. And I mean, th also, th I think naturally in 2018, 2019, seeing the climate marchers all across the world, you know, Greta Thunberg becoming person of uh, of the year on, on Time magazine, it's, it's just so inspiring that uh, you you think, well, if, if, if these people can do it, why can't I do it? Why yeah. shouldn't I try to contribute in my own way? Yeah, right. Yeah. And what about you, Laura? For me, the first uh, thing that rose my awareness was um, 
when I was traveling and um, especially in Southeast Asia, I saw beaches filled with trash. Um, I saw shops where you know you had all those clothes that were you, you could you could tell like they were very cheap and uh, they smelled like plastic a lot. So I was like thinking that this is not normal, and uh, I was just kind of putting into question how this whole uh, yeah impact on, of globalization ends up in these countries. And then I started to research a little bit, and uh, yeah. So I think for me, it's more of a personal uh, interest. And uh, finding those types of associations and movements in Europe uh, kind of brought to me the, the possibility, as Francesco was saying, also the possibility to contribute to a change. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just putting myself into question a bit, like, uh, yeah, what is it that I do on a daily basis that actually ends, like, ends up contributing to climate change? And uh, the more I read about it, the more I saw documentaries about it, the more I realized that actually humans are having this very, very drastic impact on the planet. Um, not only on humans, but also on other types of ecosystems. And there is a way to change that. And uh, in my opinion, activism is a good way to start. Um, it's a good way to kind of promote a change from a bottom-up perspective mm -hmm. and raise your voice against trends that are, yeah, that are not considered being exactly sustainable to the environment. And sustainable, I mean by that, the fact that it's not ways that can help the planet, you know, uh, be livable in the future. So yeah, I think yeah. this is kind of the most important thing for me is trying to make sure that we can still live on this planet in a hundred years instead of thinking, yeah, we can just contribute to the consumption yeah. uh, and you know live uh, regardless of what's gonna happen after. So yeah. yeah, basically that's it. For sure, thank you. And Alina, you are, are well, we know you already from the SRM team, but uh, we don't know, uh, I think, publicly about your... Uh, we did the Veganuary episode, but like, tell us more about your, your background in this uh, field and uh, why you're interested in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not a full activist, uh, climate activist in Maastricht yet, but I was definitely a full-time activist back in Moldova before coming to university. So I think... Uh, I kind of relate to what Francesco and uh, Nora said uh, because uh, it was people and external sources that inspired me. Uh, I accidentally got into an uh, environmental activist group, so from then uh, everything uh, kind of uh, happened organically and um, yeah, it was like my uh, inner fighter was just awakened and I couldn't... Uh, stop it anymore so mm -hmm. <laughs> that's <Nice>. how <laughs> it happened nice well we are happy to have you now in Maastricht so we can uh, put you in the front lines here I think we're gonna uh, s uh, jump to a song I didn't actually say the name of the first song we listened to that was a chant to mother earth by BLO and now we're gonna listen to the effects of climate change on densely populated areas by people under the stairs Nobody's sleeping well and I can feel the tension growing in L.A. With rolling brownouts, rolling papers and rolling 60s 
Heat exhaustion, increasing caution across the city. Some people hit the mall, they're trying to stay cool. Some people call the cops as black children in the pool. Everybody's looking sideways, we're raging on the highways. I hate it, I'm trying to stay hydrated and faded. But my way is blocked by road construction like a scene from falling down. Cops, they trying to function, but it seems they're taking down as brown people at will. People get hot and they kill. As the sun begins to set, it's hotter, no one can chill. Everybody's windows open, there's not a moment of silence. Alcohol, heat, and frustration, increasing domestic violence. 911 is overwhelmed, homie gets you on your own. The hills are still on fire, I recommend you stay at home. We got a heat Welcome back to Student Radio Maastricht, 107.5 FM. This is RTV Maastricht, and I'm Elena. I'm here in the studio with Francesco, Laura, and Alina, our climate warriors, and Zaki, our fantastic tech. <laughs> and so uh, we are talking today about uh, the climate emergency. So first of all, we thought it would be, uh, well, I don't know if nice is the right word to use for this, but I guess useful to give a little recap on what is the situation uh, right now. So uh, basically, for example, explain to us a little bit. We have been talking about 
staying under 1.5 degrees or 2 degrees uh, where are we there where are we at right now in this um, yeah, in this process let's say like yeah tell us more <laughs> so mainly for the last century the earth has been warmed up by around i think 1.5 degrees already uh, might be more i'm not exactly sure but um, the strand has been increasing very drastically especially in the last decades and it's a trend that is um, increasing even more and the predictions are that it's probably also going to be more than plus two degrees for the next decade so um, actually climate emergency has been noticed already in the 70s right it's not a new issue um, however very little action has been taken over this issue and very little awareness has been uh, created among the population so yeah of course there have been multiple agreements that have been made on international scales in order to reduce this risk uh, mm -hmm. of even more increasing temperatures um, namely also the Paris Agreement in 2015 uh, which was mainly concerned about uh, reducing this risk and keep it to 1.5 so that's like the main label of the Paris Agreement problem is now there's just very drastic uh, consequences on the environment that need more rapid actions so obviously you know about the ice that is melting from the Arctic um, that has very large influence on the ecosystems on the sea levels uh, but also just on, on animal uh, wilderness mm -hmm. right because all these ecosystems are completely challenged and um, so obviously that also has an impact on human populations mm -hmm. Um, which we underestimate very drastically. Let's just take the example of, uh, yeah, just the overexploitation of humans of this wilderness by overfishing or uh, the increasing, uh, yeah, just living stocks that are being produced. Like animal f animal production mainly it was also uh, has a very strong impact on the environment because we're just reducing all ecosystems to. Um, yeah, we overproduce the soil and we overproduce the seas. Mm -hmm. um, so let's take an example of, of uh, sea ecosystems, right? We overfish lar large fishes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think now there's only 10% of big fish that are left in the sea. Mm -hmm. So obviously the nutrient cycles are completely disrupted. Yeah. Uh, the, cor the corals and the seas are uh, dying for that reasons because all those nutrients are not being filled to them. Um, that has this consequence that all fish cannot have enough food. Uh, we we need that food source mm -hmm. uh, just to sustain ourselves. Also, uh, corals are protecting humans from very drastic uh, weather conditions, etc. So we're basically what I'm trying to say right now is we're destroying our own nature, our own world, and we don't even realize that we're doing this on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's also, I think, uh, one of the main produce, like uh, polluting industries or I think what we think about is mostly uh, the, the fossil fuel industry, the transportation industries, but we also underestimate the impact of the agriculture industry. Mm -hmm. uh, all of this has a large impact and warms, end up, ends up warming up the earth because of uh, large emissions of CO2 as well as other types of uh, yeah, gases. So yeah. yeah, obviously the earth is warming up. That's what I'm trying to say right now. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, for example, what uh, will be the consequences, Francesco? You will take this question. <laughs> the consequences, because I think for many people it's like a bit, a bit abstract. Also, t when we say okay, yeah, 1.5, 2 degrees. What will practically happen when we pass this tipping point? 
so it, it's it's a bit difficult to say because it's um the earth is a very um, delicate system mm-hmm. um and one change in can lead to other changes so it can have a domino effect sort of but uh, we do know that uh, there's going to be increasing amount of floods in amount of fires in amount of hurricanes um between uh, now and 2100 uh, we already know that it's going to be at least 30 centimeters in in uh, in in um in the increase of sea level mm-hmm. so more flooding also due to the sea um level increase we also know that there's going to be a general warming but also more extreme um climate events so winters are going to get co- colder and summers are going to get hotter so it's also going to be more difficult for us to stabilize and uh, get um a more, a more, let's just say, temperate climate because we're going to have very hot and then very cold. Yeah. So also for the whole uh, ecosystems that rely on uh, on a sort of um, system that is balanced, mm-hmm. the, the tipping of this balance is going to affect uh, biodiversity in general. So there's going to be a lot of biodiversity loss and this is probably going to lead to a lot of uh, um, loss of uh, of land, of fertile land, loss of uh, system that protect us, as Laura already mentioned, and and this is going to be this sort of domino effect that can have a long-term impact on, on humans and human society. Yeah, that sounds very grim indeed. So I will leave our listeners to think about this uh, while we listen to a song, which is not as serious as the, as the topic we are talking about, but it does express the feeling. This is Earth by Little Dicky. Enjoy. <laughs> It's your boy, just one of the guys down here. Well, I could be more specific. Uh, I'm a human. And I just wanted to, you know, for the sake of all of us earthlings out there, just wanted to say... Sleep all the 
time, so what? It's cute. And welcome back to Student Radio Maastricht. This is 107.5 FM, RTV Maastricht. And we are talking here today about the climate crisis. I am Elena and I'm here with Francesco and Laura from Maastricht for Climate and Alina from SRM, Zaki, our tech. And um, we were talking just before uh, the break uh, about the consequences of... Uh, you know, global warming. Uh, so one thing that we can uh, jump into is some some myths that are that are around, let's say, uh, some climate myths, let's call them <laughs> like that. So uh, Francesco, tell us one one climate myth that we were talking about in the break, for example. Yeah, one one big climate myth is the idea that we we have global warming. So everything is supposed to get hotter. But uh, it's a bit more complicated than this because the Earth is a complex system. And so actually what's going to happen is that some areas that are cold are going to get hotter, some areas that are hot are going to get colder, and then we're going to tend to have more extreme events. So very, very cold winters and very, very hot summers. And so um, one, big, one big change that we're going to have, for example, is that if uh, the polar caps keep melting like this, we are going to have... Um, the polar caps being the most hot areas of uh, of the earth uh, which which is which is weird naturally because we we think about polar caps as the most cold area of of the earth uh, and then we're going to have changes in the currents which are going to lead for example the caribbeans uh, mm. to become much more colder why we just think about the caribbeans as hot areas so a big myth is just everything is supposed to get warmer but uh, it's a bit more complicated this is why climate change is a bit more accurate as a general uh, um, statement even though it must yeah. be said that the average temperature on the earth is increasing so on average we are getting warmer yeah. overall yeah okay and uh, obviously as a result uh, of that many like uh, landscapes would change uh, completely like sure. the amazon becoming a savanna uh, one thing I was uh, thinking about, one myth I was thinking about, was, for example, that uh, we get most of our oxygen from the Amazon. And that's that's not true because we get it from the oceans, right? Yep. You guys are the experts, so <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's, yeah. uh, it's correct. So actually, yeah. it's, it's funny because um, most of the oxygen we get is from uh, phytoplankton, mm -hmm. which are microorganisms inside uh, the water, and they photosynthesize, and so they, they c capture a lot of carbon dioxide. And uh, one big risk of uh, climate change is actually the increase in temperature, killing uh, most of this uh, phytoplankton and the increase in uh, acidity. Yeah. So the oceans are becoming more acidic, which kills the phyto phyto phytoplankton and leads eventually to less carbon dioxide being trapped and so less oxygen being produced. And so it is true that the Amazon produces a lot of oxygen, but compared to the ocean, uh, that's that's a bit different. I mean, the oceans co co produce a lot, a lot of oxygen for us. Yeah, for sure. Laura, tell us. Another myth that can be mentioned is maybe also that climate change is maybe just uh, a result of industries and uh, CO2 emissions made by those maybe fossil fuel in uh, industries, etc. I do think that people kind of underestimate that their daily consumption also contributes to climate change. So I'm just going to take an example of the retail industry, for example. So obviously, when you buy a shirt from H&M, uh, you might think, okay, well, I'm just like buying it here. I haven't come here by car, so I'm not producing any emissions right now. Thing is, uh, because of globalization, all our products are produced elsewhere. So that includes 
lots of different um, emissions as well because there's first the transportation, but also just all the means to produce the product that you in the end buy. It's yeah, it requires a lot of energy also abroad. So yeah, that's also I think a myth that can be mentioned. Just yeah, yeah for sure. There's way more behind what we consume today, uh, and it's it's not just the industries that end up warming up the world. Yeah, definitely. Like our individual actions count as well, for sure. Alina, do you have any myths you want to to share with us? Uh, well, I was uh, thinking um, that we can mention uh, the pandemic effect on the on climate because I've seen lots of news that said that um, the emissions uh, were lower, decreased during the pandemic because we didn't fly that much, we didn't probably buy that much. But I would argue with that, so I would uh, like to know your opinion on that. Actually, that's a very good point as well. I think we all know that uh, 2020 was rated one of the hottest years uh, ever, I think, uh, in the same line with 2016. So that basically shows the country, right? So yeah. even though we haven't uh, traveled that much this year, uh, actually there have been way more uh, CO2 emissions in plant. And I think it probably also relies on the fact that some alternative uh, ways of, of acting on daily basis have also taken action so I think maybe we won't travel that much but we'll still get some stuff imported way more like we're going to order online for example yeah so that's uh, one uh, one example to show that uh, transportation is still a thing yeah. even if there is COVID yeah for sure and also I think a lot of uh, airlines were just like flying empty planes because they were just having having the flights as usual you know so it uh, didn't even depend on how many people were on the on the flight or anything like that so definitely i don't know i've seen yeah a lot of people trying to you know sugarcoat the situation and see and being like oh yes there's like dolphins in the venice canals and now you know we're all good the climate change is over but you know yeah the sad truth is that we are not over it yet so yeah it's a bit sad. <laughs> and I think on that uh, sad note, um, we're going to jump to a song so we can cry in the break. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to listen to The Seed by Aurora. Enjoy. Just like the sea, I don't know where to go. Through dirt and shadow I grow. I'm reaching light through the struggle. Just like the sea, I'm chasing the wonder I unravel myself All in slow motion Suffocate me So my tears can be rain I will water the ground 
Welcome back to Student Radio Maastricht. This is 107.5 FM, RTV Maastricht. I'm Elena. I'm here in the studio today with Francesco, Laura, Alina, and our tech, Zaki. And today we are talking about the climate emergency. We gave you a little bit of a, let's say, a recap on uh, what's going on. Uh, some myths and now well one thing we wanted to uh, mention for example that we didn't get the chance to mention before was uh, that actually uh, pandemics are also a symptom of the climate disaster that we are living through yep. Francesco yeah that's, that's right um, so first of all um, it has been proven that uh, loss of biodiversity and um, mm, Increasing temperatures uh, lead to an increase in outbreaks of pandemics. So, first of all, is um, the hunting and killing of tropical animals that are supposed to be isolated within their own ecosystems that can lead to um, zoonotic diseases. So, diseases that can jump from one animal to another to actually arrive to humans. So, greatest, greatest examples, example we have now the, with the coronavirus. Uh, bats were supposed to stay within their own ecosystem. Humans came to hunt them and then uh, ate them, and then uh, coronavirus came and spread across the world. You know, but then we have also have other examples of how temperature can uh, can change um, the, the 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 ability of pandemics to spread. Um, if we look, for example, at malaria. Um, malaria is brought by mosquitoes, and uh, mosquitoes stay stay in very hot areas such as the Nile, for example. Um, as temperatures increase in certain areas, for example, Europe, like Italy, like Spain, like South of France, or Greece, it becomes m 
um, this area become much more inhabitable for the mosquitoes, which eventually leads them to migrate from Africa towards these southern uh, European uh, regions. And uh, as also the more northern European regions become hotter, the mosquitoes can also migrate towards that direction, bringing malaria again into Europe. Or uh, another big example is how loss of biodiversity in certain areas of America has actually brought um, mice to um, bring um, back some some form of the black plague, um, mainly because uh, um, ticks are responsible for bringing the black plague, and um, um, the loss of biodiversity in certain areas means that ticks are more likely to um, attack uh, mice, mm. and then as a consequence, uh, um, you have much more mice bringing black plague, which leads the black plague to be much more present in certain areas of America. Naturally, since the black plague is a, a bacterium, it's much more easy for us to tackle it, but then if the same thing were to happen with a virus, it would be a problem. Yeah, of course. Very scary. Also, I don't know. I don't know about you, but like for me, if you say black plague, I'm already having <laughs> nightmares. You know, so I mean, if maybe if we threaten people with the black plague, they will finally wake up yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> change their lifestyle. I don't know. Which uh, brings us a little bit to uh, the sustainability guide, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, if you want to change your lifestyle and be more conscious about uh, the planet and our future, and you know maybe if you're already having kids, your children's future, or, you know, your pets' futures, whatever. We have the sustainability guide by Maastricht for Climate that was launched uh, recently. Laura, tell us more about it. Yes, so uh, it is in form of a website, so it's very accessible to everyone. And the main idea was to uh, raise awareness, first of all, about what in our daily life uh, impacts the climate very much but also give alternatives to what we do that is unsustainable mm -hmm. um, and make sure that we stop doing the things we do, right? That is detrimental to nature. So we have four sections. Uh, the first one is food, then we have retail, hygiene, and waste. Uh, so it's kind of a gathering of facts about the impact of individual behavior on nature. Uh, it's showing alternatives. We kind of just tried to make it a little bit uh, interactive in order to make it accessible to everyone. Um, yeah, so the website is uh, sustainabilityguidemaastricht.nl, so go check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, we are trying to uh, promote it as much as possible because we really believe in the fact that that could also kind of change people's percept perceptions on on daily basis and also just promote some different types of shops in Maastricht, for example, um, and uh, yeah, tell people how to deal with their waste, for example. Just uh, we've been uh, kind of working in cooperation with the municipality for this. So just to make sure to really put accurate information on how to recycle in Maastricht, for example. Okay. Um, for the retail industry or like the retail section, we have uh, advice on where to shop green in Maastricht or where to find the best secondhand shops. Mm -hmm. um, for the food, we kind of advocate for some uh, shops such as Gedeel de Veelde, which for example has uh, bulk in products so you don't need to uh, buy plastic uh, when you buy your pasta or your rice, mm -hmm. right? So that's that, this types of stuff that we try to, pr to promote through that guide. Um, also by giving, again, facts and awareness, you know, but yeah. in a drastic words, like what you're doing right now is not good for the environment. It's also starting with you. It's not only about system change, it's also yeah. about individual change. For sure. So yeah. So if you would have to choose one tip from the guide, which one would it be? You go first and then Francesco can tell us. 
Oof, that that's a pretty hard question, I have to <laughs> say, because there there's quite a lot. Um, yes, I'd say most likely uh, regarding the waste. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that really shocked me is. Uh, oh no, actually, I have a better fact. Sorry, <laughs> there's so many, right? It's difficult to choose. Yeah. Um, hygiene. Yeah. I really underestimated uh, when I first read the the draft of the guide how many different uh, like substances there are in your uh, cosmetics, for example. When you buy cosmetics, please check behind what is in there. Uh, one, for example, very used product is the Mika. Mm -hmm. um, I don't yeah. exactly know what... The stone from uh, exactly, India. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I know about it. It has super drastic impacts on local populations and yeah. it's everywhere. It's mm. everywhere and there's also uh, lots of plastic particles everywhere. So just for your own self, like your own sake and your own... Uh, well-being uh check what's behind your products and uh yeah i think that would be my best advice nice and read 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 about the stuff yeah for sure nice and uh, there's also uh i think an app i don't remember now the name i will have to put it on our stories on instagram but there's an app uh, that checks uh, whatever product you buy if it has microplastics uh, in it but i will Think about the name. Francesco, in the meantime, tell us your favorite tip from the sustainability guide. Okay, first of all, she, st she stole my tip, so <laughs> I, I had to think about it. But um, I think one big thing is also when you when you buy for clothes, uh, mm -hmm. try to look for uh, secondhand shops. And that's, I think, a, I think it's a big thing because uh, fast fashion does have a big impact on the environment. And uh, especially when you buy clothes of low quality, they have microplastic inside that when you wash them, goes into the, the water, which then goes into the sea. And then uh, um, for, and also for another reason, vintage clothes are very cool. They're very stylish. So yeah. they, you help to reduce waste. And at the same time, I mean, you improve your closet. So it's always a good, uh, good thing to do. Nice. I like it. I like that tip. Um, well, Alina, I'm going to ask you about your favorite uh, tip and then we're going to move to uh, the, a song. <laughs> yes. I think uh, this is a very easy question for me. I already have a reputation from the Veganuary episode. <laughs> so my tip, of course, will be be aware of what you're consuming, what you're buying, and be aware of, of the emissions and the water that goes into your food. And... Um, yeah, and also take care of your body and what you consume on a daily basis. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> no I would, I, No, no. I mean, my comment. I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm trying to get better with my with my eating. But I mean, in general, I also try to be to be conscious. Laura, if tell I us. can state one fact about veganism is that if the whole world would be vegan we would use half the land that we now use for food production i yeah. think that that shows quite a lot about how how important it is to just consider you know having at least one vegan day a week i think that's yeah for sure and i think for example one day a week is really not that hard you know i think yeah i don't know it's really not that hard. I think they could, people could even do it the other way around, have like one day with the meat and the rest of the days uh, without. Yeah, that's what should be done, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need more, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, on that note, uh, we will move into a song. I think it's time to release the pressure on the earth. <laughs> and that's why I chose this song. It's called Release the Pressure by Left Field. I love this song, so please enjoy.
Student Radio Maastricht, 107.5 FM, RTV Maastricht. Today we are talking about the climate emergency. We had a whole hour dedicated to this uh, so far. So uh, I'm going to ask my guests if you have uh, any concluding thoughts on uh, what we talked about, what uh, recommendations you want to give to people, some inspiring inspiring conclusion yeah, to our yeah, sure. doomsday talk sure. well yeah <laughs> it's um it's always easy to to lose a lot of hope when you when you talk about uh, climate change and how everything sounds ominous and sounds uh, so so drastic but um there there is hope i mean um as long as everyone is aware of what is going on and is willing to engage in talks engage in solution think about what's going on 
um, become involved in the environmental movement, but in any way through activism, through daily life choices, there's always hope. And um, and uh, it does sound like a lot is going on, and it's a big problem. Um, some might even say it's the biggest problem humanity has ever faced, but I think that um, when 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 people get together and form a united front, uh, it really it can really make a big difference, you know. And I, I and I really do believe that small actions added together bring big changes. And so, whether you you want to change your diet, as we said, whether you want to check your uh, your products when you buy them, whether you want to join an uh, activist organization, that whether you just want to talk about it, get educated, uh, write, sing about it, whatever it is, uh, um, put yourself out there. It's a problem that we all have, we will all face. Uh, um, everyone from different parts of the world, different background, different contexts. It regards everyone and it's a unifying problem. So as a, as a, as a note of hope, um, no, you're not alone. There's a community around you and, uh, and engage. And, and once you engage, you're going you're gonna to see that there is a solution. We just need to work for it. And, uh, and once we work and once uh, we manage to, to find a way to to get out of here we we're gonna look back and be proud of ourselves i think and uh, and say thankfully we did we did we did engage and whether it's gonna go as we want to less than 1.5 or to more um the important thing is to have no regrets in relation to to how you said yes i, I engaged in the in the fight engaged in the struggle and i i gave it my best nice thank you very much i think these are very inspiring words and very hopeful so thank you Laura? I entirely agree what, with what Francesco just said. I think the absolute same. And uh, I think what we should not forget is the, this, this world, this planet that we live in, this is what fostered our civilization, right? This is where we come from. And nature is taking care of us. It led us to what we are now. It gives us all the possibilities to develop and evolve in, in the way that we did it so far. So I think important is to know that we should also take care of her. I'm going to just identify her yeah. with her now. Um, it's also our job to take care of where we put our, put our step on. And uh, yes, I would also argue for hope, even though it seems like, you know, the world is doomed and the industries have too much lobby, lobbyism power, etc. But yeah, it's individual action that can change things. Uh, obviously, we're going to advocate for system change, but uh, yeah. so what you do now that matters as well, and that's what people should not underestimate. Uh, and spread the word, spread the word about about it. Uh, yeah, read, read, inform yourself about what's going on in your surroundings, but also what is happening everywhere in the world. Because yeah, Europe has a very large uh, carbon footprint on the entire world, and people should know that for sure. Just to not. Um, underestimate the inequalities that climate change is putting on other parts of the world. Yeah, 100%. I, I can't agree more. And uh, Zaki, you want to say something? I want to say something very quickly, but um, <laughs> I, want to, I want to potentially like encourage people to not think of the environment as something separate from ourselves, you know, that I think is a something that comes out of the way we are own we our own view a point of the world uh, we are we are we are humans and then everything else is you know there's animal everything else is animals and everything else is environment and everything like that but no we are a part of the environment the environment is a part of us and if we think of the health of, of the environment as integral to our own personal health i think that would be a much much more much more positive change i think for sure okay 
on this note, I think uh, I'm gonna just like make a little uh, cultural agenda um, recap of what's happening. Uh, so one thing that is happening is the Maastricht for Climate webinar series that is uh, every every other week. So one week yes, one week no. Uh, check their Facebook page or their Instagram to know exactly what topics are coming up. And uh, also there are plenty of events happening this week uh, with the Anti-Racism Week organized by Amnesty Maastricht, Black Lives Matter Maastricht, Maastricht Canhet, Feminists of Maastricht and other organizations. But <laughs> these are the ones I remember. Basically all the activism uh, uh, organizations of Maastricht are uh, working together this week for the Anti-Racism Week. There are many events going on, so check it on the Amnesty Maastricht page. And on Sunday there is a protest, so make sure to join that. And I think we're gonna listen to the song now. And in the second hour, we're gonna give you more more cultural agenda uh, information. So stay with us. And in the second hour. We are going to be talking about Maastricht for Climate and the Gemeente Maastricht. So, thank you very much and enjoy. This is Utopia by Björk.